Extraordinary stories from across Scottish football communities. This is the SPFL Trust Football Powered Podcast. Hello and welcome to the first episode of the new series of the SPFL Trust Football Powered Podcast. I'm your host Jake Gray. And I'm Callum Woodger. The SPFL Trust Trophy is back and for each round of the competition we're going to bring you some of the best stories from Scottish football communities. Our tie of the first round is Brora Rangers versus Aberdeen B, so we'll chat about the game and bring you powerful stories including How football fans in training inspired Dave Ironside at Aberdeen FC Community Trust. We'll learn about his journey as a volunteer and the wealth of fantastic programmes they run. On the pitch, we'll also hear from Brora Rangers manager Ali McDonald and Aberdeen B-boss Scott Anderson. But first, let's hear about one of the programmes Dave's volunteers on, the Pataudry Community Hub. We started off getting the funding from SBFL Trust so that we could open up a warm, friendly environment for people to come along to. And those organisations are there to support people with everyday life issues that they've got at the moment, you know, so got your cost of living crisis, your energy bills, it could be your mental health, housing issues that they're having, like repairs and stuff. So we've tried to kind of cover all issues and invited these organisations in as a one-stop shop for people to come along. Whilst they're here, they also um, enjoy some warm food and some treats as well, and board games, we've got some activities going on. So yeah, it covers a lot of things. You can get access to likes of scarf, um, citizens' advice. So scarf's helping you on an issue, which is brilliant because I don't have to be on the phone for two hours trying to get through. So it, it's just great, and you get a bit of crack with the guys, and nice cup of tea and a biscuit. So I mean, what's not not to like, you know? I think, especially Aberdeen Football Club, I would say that the draw for a lot of people in Aberdeen is the club itself, is certainly breaking that barrier down because people want to come, it's their club, they're, in, they're excited to be um, sort of part of it and to get in through the door and if people aren't coming over to chat themselves and I'm able to go and sort of sit down with people and, and say to them who I am and what we do, so I think that is really useful. And it's just such a really friendly environment as well, it's very relaxed. We've got single gentlemen coming along, we've got couples, we've got a few active ageing groups coming along as well, so yeah. There's so many different people from all different walks of life that have got all different kinds of problems and I think it's a really important thing that we are here and it takes away that formality and going into a, a doctor's surgery or going into something is very daunting whereas this is just sitting having a cup of coffee very chilled and it's great and you're never ever made to feel unwelcome. It's, it's great it's a good catch-up and uh, people are really nice and you couldn't ask for any more. So there we go, heard a little bit there, Jake, about the Pataudry Community Hub up at Aberdeen yep. um, that we visited back in February. Um, and we are delighted to be joined by Dave and Deborah from the Aberdeen FC Community Trust to tell us a little bit more about that programme and also Dave's sort of journey personally and, and with that programme. Uh, how you doing, guys? All good? All good. Yeah, yeah, yeah great stuff. Greg, doing well, thanks. Brilliant. Deborah, obviously we, we heard that video there um, a little bit about the Pataudry Community Hub, but could you tell me maybe just in your own words, from an internal point of view at the club and the trust, what, what that kind of, that the impact of that programme has been for the community in Aberdeen? Yeah, um, it's an SPFL Trust funded programme that was going to be for 12 weeks initially. And um, so embarked on the 12 weeks and within a few weeks we realised that it was actually something that our area 
really needed and the yeah. local community just totally bought into um, you know getting people along with the links practitioners local professional uh, health professionals were signposting people to come to the hub so it, it kind of took a different direction to where we thought it would um, and it became a bit more about helping to improve people's mental health mm-hmm. in terms of having other organisations there that could give that support. So it wasn't just about coming to Pataudry for something to eat. It was very much um, about, it's, it's more like a social prescription more than anything else. With the, the organisations we had um, in attendance, it's like DWP, so Department of Work and Pensions, yeah. local housing, we had some activities going on. We've done a couple of health walks. So it is a bit more than just a cup and a chat. So since then, we've managed to um, identify some um, funding pots and um, some sponsorships. So we're keen to keep this one going as a permanent in the calendar. Yeah, it sounds like it's been a really successful programme. And I know you mentioned when we chatted before that some people from this programme have moved on and participated in other programmes as well. Yeah, we had three people have gone on to the Change in Oom, which is a programme that's funded through Movember, um, Sam H and also SPFL Trust. Um, so we've had three people gone on to that one just in this cohort. We've had quite a lot of people come along to the Health Box. And just in general, you know, it's just been fantastic to see the changes in people just over you know the few weeks it's because we've got regular volunteers that come along and we're all you know every now and again we get together and we just speak about what we could potentially do for the next couple of months of the program and um, it's nice that we've all we're all seeing the change and some of the people that have come right from the start where they've been really quiet and unsure coming into the room and then yeah. gaining that confidence but the biggest thing with us is the trust so we tend to stick to same organisations coming along each week and then it's building that trust with anybody who's coming through the door. Dave, it's obviously one of the main programmes that you've been involved with at Aberdeen. Can you just tell me a little bit more about your role as a volunteer at the club and the kind of stuff you get up to out with that as well? Yeah, well, I started as a volunteer uh, 2016, February 2016. Hmm. I was getting married that year and I wanted to lose a little bit of weight for my wedding I saw advertising the programme about the fit football funds and training. Uh, came along to that. I had to be persuaded by one of my friends that uh, he'd done the, the previous cohort, and I'd be persuaded by him to come along to that. But I came along, and I always remember that they said, I think it was week two or week three, oh, there's a cult walk coming up in August. And I'm like, there's absolutely no chance I'm going to be able to do a cult walk. Since then, I've done five or six, I think it is now. So, yeah, once once you finished that, I was looking for something to do, and uh, David Smith, one of the project officers here, got in touch with uh, one of the youth coaches, and uh, I went up to assist with the primary school football on a Saturday morning, mm-hmm. laying out the markers for the pitches, laying out the goals, and uh, it, it just came on from that. We did a cult walk, met Deborah, and the rest is probably <laughs> history. <laughs> and how much did that kind of impact your life, having that new strand, if you will, to your day-to-day when you, you know that a couple of times a week, however many times it is, you're going to go down to the club and um, get involved, whether that is yourself doing fit or it's helping others with other programmes. I take it that makes a big difference to you kind of day-to-day. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I took early retirement uh, three years ago, four years ago, and uh, I, if I hadn't do what I'm doing down here, mm. I'd be sitting at home watching Netflix, vegging out, watching TV. <laughs> well, it, it, it's, it's important for me for my mental health 
for my well-being, I absolutely love a Tuesday for the health walks, get out in the fresh air, meeting people. I've met so many people, and a lot of these people, staff, volunteers, and participants are really good friends now. Mm. And I wouldn't have got that if I hadn't come down for that first football fans and training. And when I did come down there, I didn't know anything that they, they trusted. I didn't know anything about the trust. And the more you get involved, the more you know what's happening, the more you see what's happening, and the more you see how they're changing lives and how lives are being changed here. It's quite incredible. And it must be an amazing feeling for yourself, personally, knowing that you're participating in helping people change their lives. Yeah, it definitely is. Uh, Deborah was talking about the hub there and changing people's lives. Now, my mother's uh, 89, and when I see the problems that she has trying to get things done, people come down to the hub here, cuts it all the red tape. It means that they waiting for three weeks for people to phone them back from certain departments. It means they can get one-to-one quality time with organizations that will help. And we have helped a lot of people here as well. So that is important to me. I, I just I just like helping people. I like seeing people smiling. When we go on the health walk, what you can hear is if you just listen, you can hear people chatting. And after COVID, it was very important. People, a lot of these people are active aging, they're in their 70s, some of them is in their 80s, and living on their own. Couldn't get out of their house or anything like that. So coming along to the health walks makes a big difference to their life. And to be a little part of that, it just makes me proud. Just going back to your, your fit journey, Dave, how much weight did you end up losing in the end after your your 12 weeks? Yeah, about four stones. Brilliant. That would have made a big difference on your wedding day. I had to get a new kilt and all that sorted. I, I started getting really, it certainly did. It, it made it, I could actually go and get a suit measured rather right. than the one up the back. The, 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 the dust on it, the, the fat guys get. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it made a big difference to me. I got a little bit of sort of really into it, doing my step counts every day, mm. uh, checking my calories, checking the, the salt intake and all that. And even when my wife just was getting really annoyed at me when I was going down into shopping, and we kind of done, no, that's a red label. We need to look for the green label. So, what, see, could you just pick one? <laughs> so, but I, I enjoyed it, and it, it, it gives you a. It's education, yeah, and it gives you a different outlook on how you eat and how you live your life, to be quite honest with you. And is that something that you find is echoed across the community trust, Deborah? You see a lot of men and women coming down and and losing lots of weight and and seeing a big benefit, not just in their physical health, but their mental health and their sort of outlook on things as well. Yeah, definitely. I actually took part in the first female um, Mm -hmm. football family training. That was before I started working with the trust. So I experienced that before I got more involved. Um, so it was a huge change to me. I tried the usual, all these different diets. Yeah. And, you know, you go through phases of, you know, somebody will suggest something. So you try all these and then you realise it is just about, you know, making that a little bit of effort. You know, it's, when you're sitting on the sofa and you can't be bothered going upstairs because you've left your phone charger, just think, you know what, that's a few calories I've burnt off. Yeah. So little changes like that that... Um, you know, there shouldn't really be an effort, but those sort of little changes, um, yeah, I'm just going out for an extra 10, 15 minutes longer with the dog. And, and for me, it was all those little changes that made a difference. And I think everyone's got a different experience with going through football fans and training, but the end result is always quite positive. Yeah. So for us, the more people we can encourage to take part in this programme, and it's also about the social side. You know, I did the, I was, because I was then working with the trust, I sort of supported the online um, version during lockdown um, so I set up a few health walks with some of the women that was taking part in that cohort and it, 
you know what, it was good, but it still had that level of support. But it's the face-to-face get-togethers and the chats and, you know, meeting each other away from, you know, the programme and that. That's what really makes a difference. It's not just that hour and a half that you're in the stadium meeting. It's the walk and talk beforehand. It's the, the text messaging that you, you know, you do because then, then you've got this new social network of friends, which yeah. is um, really important. And if you could just speak about Dave for a moment, how much of a difference has he made coming in and getting involved and helping you guys out? Oh, you know what? It's just, just even saying that, I just got a big smile on my face. Like Dave is just one of those volunteers where you come in, nothing's ever a problem. Like any opportunity we've got in terms of training, you know, Dave's very, you know, he's always the first one. Like there's loads of training that he's been able to go on. Some of it, you know, it's, it could be food and hygiene, it could be first aid, the smaller sort of programs, but they're still as important as the sort yeah. of bigger program delivery. Um, and Dave's just um, completed his training for a changing room. Um, so it'll be great. He's going to shadow some of our staff members who are going to deliver it um, in September, which is great. Um, and we've got Dementia Friends next week. So all these are helping Dave as an individual as well as him passing that information on and you yeah. know sharing that experience. So for me, it's you know you never end you know the you know it never ends involving no. in terms of you know how much hours that you give. For me, it's not just about the hours that you give; it's the quality of the hours that you give. But you know, like you've chosen to support the community yeah. trust, but not just we are volunteering hours like you. you truly believe in the ethos and for for us that you totally you are the community trust you know we've yeah. got i i think that i i bought into it right away because i was i was taken aback by the amount of the amount of programs that was going on here and especially the active agent which i jumped on right away because i'm i'm not too young myself anyway well <laughs> uh, i i just love what i do and i've got i've been given so many opportunities here as well because it works two ways and it's a lot of mutual respect between the staff and the volunteers We've got a good volunteer pool. When I first started, one of the volunteers, Marion, who'd been here before me, Marion Douglas, she was like a mentor to me. She was absolutely brilliant. And she kept on telling me about what the trust does. Mm. And I just went into that straight away. And it, it, it's great. It's, it's absolutely great to see and to know that you're helping people change their lives. Sorry, another program that Dave's involved in is um, mascots. So you'll oh, quite yeah. often be yeah. Donnie the Sheep or Angus the Bull. Yeah. So we've um, yeah, loads of stories about that kind of brings smiles to your face. Well, <laughs> so, one, yeah. one of my one of my biggest buzzes was uh, the first time I did a match day mascot. It was a European game here. I think it was about four seasons ago, five seasons ago. And uh, to actually walk out the tunnel pre-game with a crowd there and everything going on, I, I, I couldn't believe it. It just it was one of these things, and I think, is this really happening? <laughs> it was just it's it was just fantastic. And I've I've done that match day and also done. The corporate ones as well, which we've had quite a, a few laughs at as well. There's some things that were kind of be said on podcasts, but yeah, there's been some things that it's a thing. If anything can go wrong, it will go wrong, and you just got to, to no else, prepare for everything else. Yeah. <laughs> and match days, we've got Richard Douglas, who's also a match uh, Donny the Sheep, so they just take turns. And um, but when we're out and about, Richard is he actually won. We do our own awards for the volunteers in house each year. Last year, he actually won it for the most mischievous. Yeah, um, I, I, he mascot. He just um, disappears. He goes yeah. up there, he plays piano, and you were saying he was in a shop window as yeah, well. Yeah, when I won the, yeah. the shopping centres, yeah. um, you know, in the mascot costumes, and I turned around, he disappeared. He was up, going up the escalator, and then next thing I saw him in Dorothy Perkins' window. So, it's, <laughs> uh, 
Well, yeah, so we do have a lot of laughs. It's funny, yeah. it was funny, we were trying to think of stories before coming on here. We started looking back photos, and honestly, there's so many that you just forget about. Yeah, it's um, Every week there's something. Yeah. <laughs> so, the football yeah. fans and training also led to a walking football group here as well. Uh, Dougie Henderson yeah. started a walking football group, which was very well supported. Uh, it was down at the Beach Leisure Centre, it closed, and then they moved again. So that's been going for, well, since seven 2016 years, as well. Yeah. Yeah, seven years, yeah. yeah. Not everyone can say they've, they've walked out with their team on a European night, so no, yeah, uh, fair play, hats, hats off to you and the work that you do as a, as a volunteer. Um, amazing, really, really good. I was just, how, how big a draw was it for you that this, you know, your volunteering would be done at Pataudry with kind of a link to Aberdeen Football Club? Well, it's it's obviously a massive link, and I, I it's funny because I was talking about this a, a couple of months ago. That when I was a kid, the what I wanted to do, I wanted to be a Radio One DJ, or I wanted to be uh want to play for Aberdeen. Now, I do volunteer in the Station House Media Unit as a radio presenter there as well. So that's one thing ticked off. It's not quite Radio <laughs> One. I've also scored a goal at Pretoria as a mascot as well. So I just I'll throw that one in. <laughs> Listening. Well, you're sitting here on a podcast talking about Aberdeen, so there you go. That's that's combining both as well. You've you've nailed it. You've absolutely nailed it. It sort of feels like Deborah that the Aberdeen Community Trust is actually a community within a community. You know, you've got the staff and the volunteers as a small community within that wider community that you're trying to impact. We can only do so much um, in terms of programmes, but without looking after our pool of volunteers, like there's just, you know, there's no other way to explain it apart from the volunteers are our biggest asset. It's a know. mutual respect. Yeah, you know. but also with the club, not just with the trust, because we've got such a good relationship with the club. You know, when we have any, when there's any socials or any gatherings or that, you know, our volunteers are always invited along to that. And that's, you know, we appreciate that support from the club. But, you know, there has been times where we've been, you know, and cup final where we had a whole team of volunteers helping them ticket office like put tickets into envelopes anything at all that we can help take the the burden will spring into action so for us it's very much as you see a community within our communities we're also doing a a year of fundraising Uh, the volunteers are doing a a year of fundraising we started on may the 11th of may which was the gothenburg day and we're running for a year and we're attempting to raise fifteen thousand pounds for the trust the volunteers are doing it so we're We've already done the kilt walk. We've got, I think you've got some numbers over, there, have you? Over. Uh, over 3K for doing the kilt walk, can collections, which we do before games, and we're going to be doing that next season as well, uh, with £1,000 for that. And then we just had a race night on Saturday there, which we've raised another 2K. So we're well on our way to our tool. Yeah, um, and, and, you know, just before we, we sort of wrap things up here, um, just give you a wee opportunity to tell us maybe what you've got coming up over the next kind of... Um, few months up to the end of the year, Deborah. Got a lot of programs that you're running. Anything you want to kind of highlight and advertise to people who are maybe thinking of coming down to Petodre and getting involved with the with the trust? Yeah, definitely. We've got the next intake of uh, football fans and training that should be happening uh, potentially out in Inverurie in September. Mm. Um, and then we've got the next uh, cohort of the changing room. So again, it's just a case of keeping an eye on our social media, the website as well. We've just. Our website's just been updated, so it's um, it's looking really good now. There's a, a few things that we're looking to do with the local council as well. We're potentially looking at well-being benches. Yeah. I may be jumping ahead here, but yeah. we're we're you know a lot of emphasis is on well-being. All our memory memory groups and um, programs are um, dementia friendly, so we've we work with Alzheimer's Scotland, uh, Football Memories Scotland, and some other organisations, but we 
are noticing now that not just people living with dementia, but as I mentioned before, the social prescription in terms of people who, you know, maybe have a hard time with social isolation. That's a big area that we're working on at the moment. So the mental health well-being is, you know, is running through every yeah. programme that we've got at the minute. Coming up next, we have some football chat with Broader Rangers manager Ali McDonald and Aberdeen B-boss Scott Anderson. But first, it's time for the halftime highlights, a run-through of some football-powered stories from across the country. The SPFL Trust were delighted to welcome Hamilton Aki superfan Brandon Smith as trophy bearer at the first round draw. Brandon was the winner of our Give the Glory competition at last year's final and we were delighted to hear he had a fantastic day. Football summer camps are in swing at community trusts around the country as children of all ages gather to train and have plenty of fun through football. Trusts are focusing on making camps as accessible as possible throughout the cost of living crisis. Saints in the community recently held their first monthly Moving Through Menopause initiative, supporting women to talk and be more active through menopause. The programme will take place on the first Wednesday of every month. Our latest cashback Off The Bench report is live, highlighting another year of success for the programme. Off The Bench will be running at Motherwell, Falkirk, Spartans, Morton and St Mirren this season. Elsewhere, Premiership Club Ross County are joining Greenock Morton in creating a sensory area in their stadium to help people with autism feel more comfortable in a football environment. The initiative is being backed by Staggy striker Simon Murray, whose son has autism. And finally, football fans in training is back for season 2023-24. Visit sbfltrust.org.uk forward slash FFIT to learn more and sign up. Welcome back to the second section of the podcast where we'll speak to Broader Rangers manager Ali McDonald and Aberdeen B boss Scott Anderson. First though, let's take a look at the round one matches which take place on the 1st and 2nd of August. Brecon City take on Heart of Midlothian B. Elgin City versus St Johnson B. St Mirren B welcome Albion Rovers. Kilmarnock B take on Bonnyrigg Rose. Spartans take on Rangers B. Trinent versus Motherwell B. Hibernian B versus Formerton United, Brora Rangers versus Aberdeen B, which is our tie of the round, Celtic B versus East Kilbride, University of Stirling versus Livingston B, and Dundee B versus Bucky Thistle. So we're now joined by Aberdeen B boss Scott Anderson. Scott, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, thank you very much for coming on. You must be looking forward to your game against Brora Rangers next week? Yeah, absolutely. It's a competition we, we really in, uh, enjoy being involved in. It's a real challenge for, for our kind of young group that we've got and we know how difficult a game it's going to be. This is, I think this is the fourth year in a row we've been up to Brora, so we know exactly how um, how difficult it'll be, but it's definitely a game that, that we're all looking forward to. Yeah, like you say, your, your team will be used to making that trip up to up to the Highlands to play to play Brora. Um, what's what's the kind of the makeup of your team, Scott? I know B team sometimes is a mix of more experienced kind of young boys, and then you've got your under sixteens and stuff. But what's your team looking like this year? Yeah, well, I mean, we are quite a young group um, yeah. this year. We do have two or three that are out on loan that are just beyond the eighteens level. They'll be involved potentially as well. So it's a young group. We've we've kind of always had a young group going into this competition, but we, we enjoy the fact that it allows them to go and experience a, a national competition that that they're going and, and, and seeing what sort of real football, adult football is all about. So it's one that uh, is going to be tough, obviously for for the young group, but we also think it's a great uh, a yeah. great learning opportunity for them. Yeah, you'll be obviously hoping for for a better result than than last season. I believe it was a, a two 0 defeat last year, but you'll be 
hoping to go that wee bit further and get another test in the next round. Yes, absolutely. Um, we did. We again go back to it. We were really quite young last year, and although we got beaten the game, we, we, we took a huge amount out of it. But yeah. Uh, yeah, this this season we want to go and win the game, and and, and hopefully go and find another tough uh, level of competition in the next round. So that's the aim. We'll obviously be prepared, and we'll be organised in terms of knowing what Brora are like and how they play. So. We'll just uh, go into the game and, and and hope we can we can get through. Yeah, it would be um, you know Peter Header in the next round if if you were to get through. I know you're probably not wanting to look too far ahead, but that, that's a team that's only just been relegated from the from the third tier in Scottish football. That would be a real a test for some of your boys, particularly some of the ones that maybe haven't been on loan and haven't experienced that men's football at SPFL level. That's right, and uh, I think it's two years back when we did beat Broad up there. We obviously had a good run in the cup. We, we managed to go and. And get our growth and, and allowed the boys yeah. to play at Pataudry and, and we got through that and obviously had a fixture away to Hamilton the next round and and just that three games that the learning to take from that is is uh, massive absolutely massive for for young players so yeah it's we won't look too far ahead we know how good a side brewer are at, at their level and you know physicality wise we need to be able to handle that and deal with that but if we can get through it would be a, an excellent uh, opportunity to go and play a Scottish League club. How often do you kind of get the opportunity to like play and, and train together as a group? Because obviously you're not involved in a sort of a Highland League setup, or you're not involved in um, a reserve league or anything like that. I mean, how often do you get the opportunity to see the guys in these kind of situations? It must be interesting for you to take a watch. It is. I mean, we try and structure things because obviously our our development model is obviously utilising the the loans system. Yeah. Um. Which is set up by by Neil Simpson. So we might we try and coordinate when when these guys are going to be training with the loan clubs, and we try and make sure that we we train as a group. Certainly three sessions um, out the week where possible and where it fits. So we do get them together a reasonable amount of time. So it does allow us to then obviously prepare as best we can. Obviously, there's potentially one or two that are, that that stay involved with the first team and you yeah. only maybe get them the day before or so. So we've got to try and prepare as best we can and, and then we'll see what's kind of coming for the first team level. So I suppose this competitions are really, I know you've touched on it already, but it's a really good opportunity for yourselves to kind of group together and see what's what's available for that progression to the first team as well. It is. It's um, It allows us to, to see that players that are out on loan Obviously, we see them playing with the teams that they're that they're out to, but it also keeps them, um, you know, involved with the with the club and playing games for for Aberdeen. So, um, it's it's usually important in terms of that, and and obviously the the younger ones, you know, are, are looking at these lone players and looking at the path to the first team, and and they need to step up and they need to learn, you know, do well enough to to hold their own in the, in these types of games. So we like the way that we we structure things here, and, and we feel that this competition allows us to get the group together and playing together, which is which is great. How's the new manager Barry Robson been with the kind of reserves and the youth setup? Has he been quite um, engaged? Does he keep an eye on things to see how players are looking and, and getting them involved in first team matters as much as he can? Very much so. I mean, obviously, um, I've worked with Barry for the last sort of four years at this kind of level, um, the younger level. So he knows all the players that's kind of coming through at the top end, the academy. And and what's in the building here in terms of young players under eighteen level and and uh, and beyond. So he's certainly a manager for me that will, will will give opportunities. We've got two Finley Marshall and Alfie Barbage that are, are training with the first team uh, all pre season. Yeah. And they're actually under eighteen players still as it stands. So there's good opportunities for young players here with with the manager in place and they've got to really fight to to, to get into his plans and get into his um into his squad. But he knows what's there and 
and he demands a, a, a real a real standard. So they know they're under no illusion. It'll be very difficult to to break into that, but. He knows what's uh, what's underneath. How important is youth academy to Aberdeen? I mean, I suppose when you're if you were a young player, you're looking at it, and the path's pretty clear. You lots of examples in the first team at the moment. You Connor Barron, um, for one, boys that have you know recently been there and moved on to bigger and better things. Guys like Calvin Ramsey. It's it's not one of these things that's just talked about. It actually does happen. It seems like it's quite an important part of of the club. Well, yeah, it's hugely important. I think it's part of what the kind of club's DNA is built on: is blood in young players and getting in, them into the first team squad and, and and playing and and as you say, potentially beyond. Yeah, it's it's a very important aspect of this club. I would say, and I can only see sort of good things and you know looking at kind of what's coming in the future. Hopefully, we can continue to get one or two um, up and away. Yeah, question I, I have. Kind of on the the wider club in general, obviously you'll spend a lot of time in and around the place. So how how much has it kind of changed over the last six months to a year? Obviously, there's been a few changes in management and in the new chief executive and things coming in. Yeah, well, I, th- I think just uh, obviously the the positive end of the season when Barry obviously took over the took over the role was was excellent for the club. I think there's a, a real kind of feel good uh, feeling within it just now. It's Move forward in terms of we've got a clear, a clear sort of DNA of, of what Barry wants an Aberdeen player and an Aberdeen team to look at uh, be, and it's a real sort of togetherness feeling in here from the top down um, into the academy. So it's it's only positive um, just now, and under no illusion that the, the club's going to have a difficult season, obviously with the European games as well. But it's one that they, you need to look forward to. And as I say, for, for the younger players within it, it's they know that um, that they've got an opportunity if they, if they go and perform to the um, to the level that potentially they've got an opportunity to go and break into the, the squad and be part of that uh, first team environment. That's the thing, isn't it? You, you know, the, the club would like to think that they're, they're you know, going to go as far as they can in Europe. But I think you know, Conference League is pretty much guaranteed for Aberdeen, isn't it? If, if they... They don't yeah, manage to get into the into the Europa League, but it does give those opportunities for maybe a young player to go and step up into a domestic competition when fixtures maybe are piling up and, and fill a gap and sort of take their moment to shine in in that stage. That's right, and that's you know that's uh, you know that's all all there for them. It's a you know it's we've got we've got a training model here at the club as well that uh, Barry's implemented, and and you know we we run that at sort of eighteens level as well. So we are trying to get our players up and through. Quicker, you know that they can handle the, the kind of physical demands that, that that's required of them, and and yeah, as you say, if, if there's opportunity there because of the amount of games, and um, then we are hopeful that uh, one or two of the younger lads can maybe step up and be ready to be involved in that uh, level of, level of competition. Up next, we'll be speaking to Brora Rangers manager Ali McDonald to get his thoughts on the match next week against Aberdeen B. We're joined by Ali McDonald, the Brora Rangers manager. Ali, how you doing? How bad, guys? How's it going? Yeah, mate, not too bad, not too bad. Um, you could, yeah, um, first round match of the SPFL Trust Trophy next week, big game um, against Aberdeen B. How are you feeling about it? I know, we're excited for it. Um, season starts on Saturday, so we've had a good pre-season. All the boys back from the holidays and that, so um, focus on Saturday, got an hour and away, and then we're into the, the Wednesday night game versus Aberdeen. I think we beat them last year, which we'll try and build on again, but... I suppose from a club perspective, we've just got the new pitch not laid, so that'll be the first game on the new park, so, so it'll be good for the boys. And you've got a new pitch laid, I believe. Happy with it? Ah, uh, yeah. Delighted, you know, the club, you know, they've put a good bit of investment into this, so hopefully we'll we'll see the rewards from it. Yeah, and 
Aberdeen B. Of course, you'll you'll know them well from your from your previous visits. But how much of a test are, are you expecting? A good test, I think. You know, the last three times we've played them now, um, it's been you know one game was probably a little bit comfortable, but they obviously beat us, and then last year was challenging as well. It's it's different from the Highland League. You know, that's it's quite a direct style of play in the Highland League. Yeah. So we go into that game, it's a lot more sort of technical ball on the ground and that. So. You know, it's a it's a nice change. It's a, it's a good challenge. It's the way we want to try and play football as well. So, so no, I'm looking forward to it. Do you think that kind of helps the development of your team in these early stages of the season, playing different styles of football, different teams, different you know kind of propositions for your side to kind of get used to ahead of like the big one, the Highland League kicking off, and and that kind of aiming to have a good season there. It's different challenges that you know we'll most likely face throughout the season. So you know we need to be able to adapt to these situations as well to give us sort of the best chance of success. So. So yeah, to get them early doors and um, try and build some momentum, it's good. Obviously, you won't be looking too far ahead, but if if you if you do get through, it'll be another tough test against against Peterhead. We don't want, like you say, look too far ahead. We'll focus on Aberdeen, and you know if we get the reward of of Peterhead, that's great because you know as as a management team, as as players, you want to test yourself against you know the highest level that we can, and you know Peterhead's another step up into to League Two, which is you know, part of our ambition and where I guess we want to be with the club. So it'll be a good test for us. Yeah, you, you've done quite well in the Cups um, in the past. Um, is it something that the club every season looks at and maybe sets a wee target to try and get deeper, whether that's the SPFL Trust Trophy or the Scottish Cup or, you know, is it something that you, you lay out and have a have a plan about? Yeah, um, I guess, you know, Cup competitions, you want to go as far as you can always, um, just as, as winners as and as football players, but suppose probably more so the Scottish Cup when it comes with a financial incentive, which, yeah. you know, if you get into the to the later rounds, rounds three, four, you know, it's quite significant in terms of what you can what you can earn. Um and it has a big impact on the club. So, you know, the better we can do then yeah, the the better it is for us, to be fair. And you mentioned Peterhead earlier, you know, a team that you could potentially face in the second round if you were to get through. Do you look at clubs like that like Ross County, like Inverness, fellow clubs are in the sort of north of Scotland and aspire to that model of being an ambitious club and trying to move up the divisions and into the into the SPFL itself. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the club we don't hide from our ambition is uh, to progress through the sort of football pyramid. Um, Ross County and Cali are like incredible examples of, you know, yeah. how far it can go. Um, but when you probably more recently with, with Cove and Kelty and how they've managed to, you know, not only just get into the football leagues, but progress again, you know, they, they've got to be the standard that we need to try and aim for. You know, we completely get, you know, logistically we're a bit more challenged, but look, we've got a strong team, you know, we'll give it a right good go and, you know, our ambition is to, to try and progress. Very competitive Highland League this season as well. You know, Bucky did well last season, so did Breakin. How do you how do you feel you're shaping up for the new season? How's how's the squad looking? Are you, are you feeling confident that you can go and mount a challenge again? Yeah, I think um, you know we were close last year, maybe nine points in it or whatever it was in the end. Um, when we look back on it, it's probably that that top teams that you know we've let ourselves down. When you look at the the points gained against them, it's uh, it wasn't good enough from our perspective. So you know there's much of the same as last year but then once you come into these bigger games where it, where it really matters you know we need to perform better but you know as a, as a squad I think we're stronger we've added depth you know we've, we've added quality where we can and you know I definitely think we'll be up for the challenge. Obviously uh, Josh Meekins is uh, a part of your squad how much of a, a benefit is it having him around the place? 
Ah, it's massive. You know, he's obviously part of the the management team as well. You know, he's a the top player and a top coach, and he's you know he's very important on the playing side. You know, he's had a little sort of niggle with his knees. Actually, got to go for an operation getting in a few weeks, but recovery from that's not looking too bad. It's maybe six to eight weeks. So you know, when we do do have Josh on the side, you know, you see the level that he's at. You know, he's a Scottish Cup winner. He's he's played Premier League for how many years? Um, and you know, even on the on the coaching side, and that is experience and his, his knowledge of the game is incredible, and it's you know it's massive for us. How much does his experience benefit the, the younger members of the squad? Ah, it's great. You know, he's he's learned the game from you know coaches like John Hughes, Neil McCann, even and more. And he's went through a sort of similar period where he's you know the way we're trying to play football. He's went through that with, with the likes of John Hughes. You maybe went from Teddy Butcher, where it was a different style, and then John Hughes is more get the ball then play you probably know yourself so he's learned from that and you know he's trying to pass that on to the younger lads we've got now and the players we've got and you know I think you know we're seeing the rewards of that definitely through pre-season and you know hopefully it just continues to grow. Yeah through this competition the the SPFL Trust Trophy we like to sort of highlight um, the community side of football how important is Brora Rangers to the community in Brora and the kind of wider like Sutherland area how important is it to engage people locally with the club to continue to try and have that growth yeah no it's massive you know the club doesn't um, exist or there's no point without the community and without the fan base and and you know Broder are quite proud that you know as a, a family run club been there for many years now and mm. we've had great occasions with them great celebrations with winning leagues and winning trophies and one thing you know it's the Hearts game for example you know it's one of the biggest results in the in the club's history in the Scottish Cup, but it was through the COVID, you know, and you look back on that and, you mm. know, the one thing that we were missing was, you know, that celebration with the fans um, and it just would have probably made it the, the probably best night of my career, really, in terms of results. But um, now, nah, like, the support they give the club, like, on and off the field is massive, um, you know, we're, and we're continuing trying to grow that as a football club, but no, we can't ignore the importance of their part in the, in the whole thing. Yeah, you know, you've been at Brora for a, a number number of years now, and and do you see that growth yourself over that over that time? Have you actually noticeable growth in in the club over the last few years? I think like we've you know we we came in and had some good success for a few years, and you know it it really did grow, and then you know we've had the loyal ones stick by. It's maybe sort of teared off a little bit, um, but like we've you know just appointed a, a new supporters liaison officer um, and you know with the full purpose is that you know we're a family club we need to bridge that gap between the club and the and the fans and the supporters in the community and you know we're fully supportive in doing that you know I've got great relationships with a lot of people over a lot of years and you know it's trying to introduce the younger players to that as well and and giving them that same opportunity to get that family sort of feeling of the of the club and the, and the area. Yeah I mean you hear it a lot but when the whole club, the supporters, the community and the players and the, and the coaching staff are all pulling in the same direction. It really does have an impact in the, in the success of the club, doesn't it? Aye, there, there's nothing better. You know, we've, we've got the social club right outside the ground, you know, and, you know, as soon as you, you get that three points, you know, there's nothing better than going into the social club and, you know, getting a pint with the <laughs> yeah. supporters and the fans and yeah. that, you know, that's what it's all about, really. So if you listen to the podcast last season, um, you'll know that Jake and I went head-to-head in the SPFL Trust football-powered prediction league, and as it transpired, I came out on top, Jake. Yep, 
in the end, although it got to the final and I wasn't even able to win it anymore. But I did take the final point, so I restored a bit of you dignity. did. You took a bit. You took a bit of pride back bit to pride, back it. to Dunfermline. <laughs> so that's that's good, mate. Um, so yeah, the last season ended up four um, three to me, and we're going to kick off again for the new season with um, a pretty straightforward uh, type of prediction. Um, something we did last season as well in the first round. I'm led to believe. Yeah. Basically, predict how many goals are going to be scored in round one. Um, there are 11 games in round one, as you've just heard, um, with Jake's lovely reading of these fixtures um, for us there. So, 11 games, how many goals do you think will be scored across those games, Jake? So, I've gone for 33. I think it's a pretty good number to go for 11 games, 33 goals. I'll go for that. It'll be exciting if it is the case. Um, some some good fixtures in there, a mixture of B teams taking on Lowland League teams and some League 2 teams. So, I think be some good games. Exciting. Exciting, aye. Celtic B versus East Kilbride, that'll be a good one. I don't mean the games. I mean, three goals a game, you're averaging in 33 goals. They'll have 11 games. That's like 2-1 two, two, in every game. You wouldn't call that exciting, would you? Ah, uh, maybe not. But That's why I'm I'm pushing it a wee bit further, Jake. But I'm not, I'm, I'm playing smart here. I'm saying 37. Just because I think there'll be, there will be more goals than that. I think we'll end up getting close to about 40 or 50. But... But I just want to play, I'm playing it smart here so I can get the win. So if I go a little bit higher than you, then that kind of snookers you a wee bit, so. That's true, aye. Um. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm going to suggest that there'll be some games with a few goals and then some games with more goals. There might be one or two, one true. nils or nil nils, and then true. there might be a four nil or a five nil somewhere. This is true, this is true. Um, it's guesswork. It is, and at this stage of the competition, um, B teams with a lot of, People, including ourselves, maybe don't know a lot about a lot of the young players that are in yeah. these teams, so we don't know how good or otherwise they're going to be. Um, yeah. I mean, you look back to the early stages of uh, the competition last season in Bonnerig in League Two, welcomed Livingston B, I think it was, to, yeah. to New Dundas Park, and we were put out in the early stages. Spartans as well. Spartans put out by Rangers B, and I'm not sure we expected that or, or many people expected that so no there's there's also good quality um in these kind of bigger academies premiership academies so um it will be interesting to see we've got a few new faces in there as well this season we've got Trinent in the University of Stirling yep um they had a great Scottish Cup run last season didn't they the University of Stirling yeah they ended up playing Tanner Tanner United they, yeah yeah so th- they'll be they'll be up for it yeah took a, a good following up to Tanadice as well so gave a reasonably good account of themselves and Trinent as well, quite an ambitious club yeah. in the um, uh, Lowland League, league now, now yeah. um, making their way up through the divisions. So yeah. um, it'll be interesting to see how they fare against you know Motherwell's sort of young team, B team. So yeah, we can we can always um, come back and have a look at this for the next round, see how we get on. Um, some interesting predictions there, um, particularly from Jake Gray, expecting lots of excitement, averaging at three goals a game. So. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell you support Dunfermline, can't you? Really, yeah. To be honest, yeah. Although last season was. Well, actually, no, it wasn't. We won the league, but oh, there's not many goals. Let's not, let's not bore the listeners, Jake. Yeah, okay, right, <laughs> that's, okay. that's quite enough there. Let's move on. Now, if you want to learn more about the SPFL Trust, check out their Facebook and Twitter or visit www.spfltrust.org.uk forward slash trophy to learn more about the work they do and the SPFL Trust trophy itself. And for more information about today's topics and participants, you can take a look at episode notes. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you in the next one. This is the SPFL Trust Football Powered Podcast.